Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, we have a special guest, another recruiting writer at The Athletic, Grace Rayner. Before we say hi to Grace, Ari, are you threatened by the addition of another national recruiting writer and the fact that it's Grace? The fact that you asked me that question is hilarious. I was going to say, yeah, and welcome to the show, the person who's going to take my job, Grace <laughs> Rayner. Um Every single time we have this podcast, he brings up your name at least twice, Grace. And every single time we're having as a model writer, someone yes, someone in a good way. Writer. And yeah. every time we talk every day on Slack about what I'm working on, he always uses you as an example of what I could do better. So, like, we're Grace. Do you know what an adverb is? <laughs> I do know what an okay, adverb good. is. You're ahead of the game. No idea. It's okay. They're kind of hard. Yeah. What's Grace, the point of knowing that information, Grace? How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing well. How are y'all? Good, good. <laughs> I don't know how it helps you. It's like either you know how to write a sentence or you don't. A yeah. lot of editors hate adverbs, right? Do you like yeah. them, Mitch? Yeah, they're they're fine. You don't want to overdo it. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive in. Uh, it was another light week of commitments, but still a ton to talk about. We're going to check in on several programs as we do, just see what's going on there. We're going to discuss Ari's column that ran Monday, I believe, um, earlier this week, I should say, just pr- that he promotes a candidate for the Arizona State job, very strongly promotes a candidate. So we're going to go dive into that. I've uncovered some evidence that suggests that possibly that the curve is flattening a bit, that maybe some of the top talent is being dispersed to more teams. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll have trivia and mailbag. But first, Ari, let's talk about your column on Monday after, you know, obviously Herm Edwards is fired from Arizona State. And there's a guy out there that you feel pretty strongly would be a the, the, the perfect choice. And we had a discussion about this off the air, and I'm excited to have it on it. My choice would be Kenny Dillingham, the 32-year-old offensive coordinator from Oregon, uh, because he is a bright, up-and-coming coach in the industry who grew up in Phoenix, loves Phoenix, went to ASU, and understands that program and how to build it. Now, a lot of people will push back on the idea of, well, he still doesn't have a ton of experience or has only been an offensive coordinator at one point, um, you know, or for one or two. He's been an offensive coordinator three, three places, but not long enough to have a track record of, of proven success uh, in terms of, you know, crazy offensive prolific numbers, you know, but my, main tenant in the story and I think my main argument would be for Arizona State is that the number one battle that they have to face as a program right now is having a coach who understands what that place is and what it can be and uh, he is the epitome of what that would be so you know Arizona State has done a lot in the past retread hires uh, guys who have recognizable names I mean even U of A did it with Kevin Sumlin 
people who are on the downturn of their careers or not innovative anymore, but, you know, kind of just people that we know who they are, but they haven't really, or aren't in a place right now where they should be starting to build a program. And my, my philosophy is go with somebody who gets it. Someone who's got a proven track record of how to recruit um, knows every high school coach in the state and also understands that university inside and out that can grow with that university instead of, of jumping after, you know, five years after he wins his first 10 win season, you know, because that's the problem with college football in general, right? Grace and Clemson is one of these examples. There are two things that happen at college programs that are trying to build something. One, they stick with a coach long enough to let it see through, which happens rarely, but when it does, it can be successful as a, a program that Clemson, that, that Clemson, like Grace is very familiar with, or you have a program that has the right guy and gets uh, um, some early success with that guy. And then that guy bolts to the next job because he's already proven that he can do it. And third, the guy fails after two or three years or things aren't going as well as they would have hoped. And then they fire him and start over again. Um, and to me, if you hire somebody who could use the time, but also has no interest in leaving because he's from there and wants to live in Scottsdale for the rest of his life, then you have somebody that fits those categories. So would it work? I mean, I passionately wrote that I thought it would work. Um, but if it didn't, I think it would just be just like every other hire that they've made in my lifetime. So so, so Grace, when you read that, and yeah. Ari and I had this discussion, like I thought it was a well-thought-out column. I disagree, but I, I, it was well put together. What, what were your thoughts when you read that? Yeah, I thought he made a really strong argument. And I think, Ari, you're right in that you look at just the different types of hires that are made now. And I think Dabo Sweeney, you mentioned Clemson, would be the first to admit like he probably does not get hired in this 2022 landscape he's just not he, he would not be considered a popular hire so I kind of like I liked your column in the sense that maybe it doesn't make sense to a lot of people he's young he's still got a lot to prove um, but I, I like it I, I love the fact that he is a young guy who can recruit I think that uh, the three of us are seeing the recruiting landscape change on an almost hourly basis um, and it's just something that you have to be able to do I don't know that they'll do it, but I kind of like doing the exact opposite of what just failed them. You know, like why, why do what you just did and got the results that you just got? Well, you have a really good clue in on this grace more than anything. And how many other programs in college football in your time as a journalist, or even dating back to when you were in college have been able to duplicate what Clemson has done? None. Right. I mean, some of them have, uh, I think like programs have done the, let's take a risk on a guy who hasn't been a coordinator thing yet. Like Shane Beamer just down the road, obviously that that's, that's one of them, but not to the extent at least yet that, that Clemson is yeah. winning. So, so like if you, and I'm not saying that Arizona state's going to be Clemson, but I think that Arizona state, and maybe this is just my biased opinion because I grew up there, but I feel like Arizona state has a very high ceiling. If things were to work, like if they were ever to get to a point where things are clicking. Why it's called by many as a sleeping giant, whether or not yeah, you like and, that. And like that's so so much of a cliche, and I even use it in my headline, and I'm kind of regretting it. But <laughs> it, because um, I wrote the headline, and it, it's probably something that's used too much, but I think everybody universally agrees that it has all the tools necessary to win at a high level. And it's kind of shocking that they've been this shitty for this long. So, Mitch, when I ask you why you disagree with it, what is the main tenet of that disagreement? Is it because he hasn't? been bill belichick or he hasn't been 
a Nexus and O's guru. He doesn't have enough experience. Like, what is it that, yeah, I, that I, I think you pause? And first of all, I want to preface what we're, the, we should have said this at the beginning. Like, Ari attended the University of Arizona, <laughs> Arizona State's rival, and he does not know Kenny Dillingham. So, like, it's not like he's just something for his buddy to get a job at his alma mater. So it, everything he wrote was really what he thought. A couple things. Well, first of all, I, towards the end, you said where if they don't strike now, they're never going to get him. I disagree with that. He's only 32 years old. If that, Let's say he got a job at Utah State for three or four years, and he's only 38 and successful. He will have a There's power five be, job somewhere in the next four years, I guarantee but it. If he really, if okay. Arizona State is truly his dream job, then there aren't many schools that he would leave for. But that's kind of besides the point. I like the – and this is nothing against Kenny Dillingham. I like the idea of a Kenny Dillingham, but to me, he's not all that you made him out to be. Like, he he could be, but he hasn't really called plays much. He's worked for offensive head coaches. You say he's this great recruiter. He might be, but it's not like Florida State was bringing in these great classes. And I know he's new to – He's new to Oregon, and you sent Dante Moore, the, the quarterback mm-hmm. from Detroit. That's a great get. I assume he was very involved in that recruitment. I'm not saying he's not a good recruiter, but to me, all of the things that you hint at why he would be so good, there's not enough evidence that this 32-year-old is good enough to run a Power 5 program right now. Yeah, and I think that those are all rational things, and I think those are discussions that athletic directors who make the wrong decisions have. Like, and I'm not try- I, I think that like the idea of the resume – not being long enough or extensive enough, I think is a uh, disservice to the, to the actual search, because if you actually like look at it a little bit closer, um, the fact that he coached high school football in that state and has a pretty solid resume of recruiting so far and a keen understanding, which is the most important thing of what needs to be done. Like if you actually talk to the man and have an interview with him and he says all the things that I said in a charismatic way in the column, I don't know how you're not swayed by that. You know, yeah, and to me, I, I think that the argument more so than anything, when you're hiring the Arizona state head coaches, two things, Mitch and grace one, who else are you going to get? Okay. Plenty. And then it's two, a power five job where a lot okay. of people think it's a sleeping giant. They will not have a hard we'll time go through finding your candidates of, of people who you think will get it in a second, but two, What's more important? All those bullet point resumes that are in every single coach's, you know, every single coach's reasons for getting a job or finding a person with a plan that makes sense, that understands the place and is going to do everything he can to execute that plan. Like to me, I think I would much rather take a coach that comes in and says, hey, um, this is Arizona State. Here's what I understand about it. Here's what we need to do. Um, And this is how we're going to do it rather than a guy that says, well, my offenses that I coordinated for the past four years in the Big Ten were second, third, first, and fifth in the last four years. Yeah, I think the um, X's and O's aren't winning games right now. Right. I, we, we, we need to move on in a minute because this is a recruiting podcast. I know it's kind of – hiring a coach is all about recruiting. It is. I would, pref- I would prefer a Kalen DeBoer slash Lance Leopold, Leipold guy who has won at a huge level, a huge – who's won a ton at a lower level – and has proven he can run a program. I'm mean, two different schools of thought. Like again, if they went, I, I hope they do hire Kenny Dillingham. It would be fun. I'm not into. I think there's there's been enough research done about coaching hires that there's no right way to do it. Like certain certain mm-hmm. guys are pan out, certain guys don't. There's a lot of reasons why. But I think Kalen DeBoer's immediate success at Washington. Now he's been a head coach before in, in what, what Lance Leipold is doing. Did at Buffalo in at at Kansas is proof that it also is very valuable to have run your own program for many, many years too. 
Yeah, so. I I think those are all rational thoughts. Um, and yeah. you know what? I'm not the one cutting the check, so it's very easy for me to sit here and say it's going to work. It's going to work. But I do know what went wrong there a yeah. lot, and I don't see why you wouldn't do the exact op- – I mean, don't get the guy on the downturn. Get the guy on the up to- upswing. Sure, sure. All right. Um, podcast comes out Thursday usually, and Grace has a story in the uh, in the athletic publishing. There he goes again talking about Grace. Thursday morning. <laughs> <laughs> can I go, Ari? Can I talk about a story that we're going to talk if about? You can make it thirty. We seconds just we just spent fifteen Grace, minutes talking fine. about your column. <laughs> we just spent all this time talking about your story. We didn't even about, talk about the best part of it. What was the best part? The vision of what ASU could be and whether or not the three of us think it could be that. Do you think that Arizona State could be the brand with the right person that every single person in the week is like, I cannot wait to watch ASU at 10 p.m. Eastern time? Like, blacked out, both with drinking and with shirts, uh, stadium, (laughs) alternate uniforms, over-unders with 70 points, and everybody is watching this game. I think it can be one of the... In the in the Pac-12, along with USC, um, you know, I think Washington has a program with great potential. Oregon, I think it can be definitely a top three or four job, top three or four program. Do you think it could be the party football program, the the yes, the, the, the U of so. the West Coast, the to completely embrace like what ASU is if you've ever been to Tempe, you know what I mean? And you got to watch how you frame it because some people don't appreciate it, but it is like a let's go get blacked out on mill, let's go get, have a good time, <laughs> like it's a party school. And if you make the games an extension of that party and every single student that's drinking comes in hammered and everybody in the stadium wears black. <laughs> they get breathalyzers. You cannot go into the game if you're sober. Is that the- <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you haven't had a drink today, then you're not rowdy enough to come in. Yeah, go, go shotgun this beer. Then you and let me be honest seat. with you. I've, uh, I've had my nights on Mill Avenue before. Let me tell you, nobody's going to those games sober. And if you are, then you're the problem. So, like, I just think that, like, you know, I can just picture the stadium that's built into the side of a mountain. You get the sixth biggest metropolitan area in the country. You've got all this talent in California and in Texas on bordering states. Um, does te- Arizona technically touch Texas, or does you have to go ten minutes through New Mexico? I think you've got to go through New Mexico huge. for like yeah. No, I know, but you go through the bottom if if you look at a okay. map. I'm a big on geography. I think it's like an, a thirty minute drive in New Mexico before you hit Texas, um, and then you have a guy who's a quarterback, a quarterback coach that is recruiting the one position that Arizona has, which is quarterback from the high school that he coached at, which is Chaparral. Like, I mean, but they are known for having top level quarterbacks. Andy Staples wrote a a story called Valley of the Quarterback. And he just made Arizona state, the U of the West coast. Dude, that would be awesome. Or you could hire a 55 year old man who won a few games somewhere else and never won a conference championship. Who's Serena at Kansas, you know, you know, so all right. I wasn't talking um, about him. I think he's a tremendous coach. I'm not. I wasn't bad mouthing him, but you don't go hire somebody that doesn't understand that vision, or they're going to fail. By the way, it looks like everybody's failed. Four, there. four hour drive from parts of Arizona to Texas to El Paso. <laughs> but I literally just drove there after my wedding, and it's not. It's a four hour drive from Tucson. Hey, to I mean, El Paso. I'm looking at a map, and there's a big, big chunk that you got to go of New Mexico. You got to go through. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Grace, we're going to talk about your story. I literally kind just drove st- it and I still don't know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what state am I in? The Ari Wasserman story. Have you ever driven that? State of confusion. Have you ever driven down there by the Mexican border? It's like nine not. hours straight of 80 miles an hour. I'm just like, you don't know where you are. Yeah, did you take a nap while driving? Just go straight? No, you can't because there's a lot of security checkpoints. 
Okay. So Grace's story was about the ACC quarterbacks. It's a good year for ACC quarterbacks. And uh, just kind of looking at the recruitment of all of them, you know, not too many household names. You know, DJ, uh, obviously five-star. Drake May, highly recruited guy. Uh, so some interesting stories, but, but Grace highlight some of the ones that you found the most interesting. I love the, I love the, the, the Drake may Alabama recruitment and, and why he initially didn't want to go to North Carolina. Yes, that was my favorite for sure. Um, so Drake may's high school coach is basically telling this story about how Drake is telling him, tell all of these college coaches, I'm not going to North Carolina. And his, his reason was that he felt like the assumption would always be that he would go to North Carolina. You know, his dad played there, Luke May, on the basketball team. And he felt like he wasn't going to be recruited the way he wanted to be recruited if everyone just assumed he was going to North Carolina. And so his high school coach spent two years telling all these coaches he's not going to North Carolina. He wanted to go to a football school where they were not talking about basketball in October. Um, he commits to Bama. And then Alabama flips Bryce Young from USC a couple months later. That gives him a little something to think about. And then Mac Brown kind of changes the perception of UNC. And all of a sudden his high school coach is calling UNC, calling these coaches, being like, just kidding. He's into you guys now. And um, his coach was like, look, I'll do this for you, but I'm not calling Nick Saban. Like, you have to do that yourself. So I assume so, – So even a grown man was scared yes. to call Nick Saban. Yeah. Like, all right. After <laughs> yeah. two years of telling yeah. all these coaches, he's not going there. Then he's yeah. like, okay, yeah, never mind. So that yeah. one was fun, and I think just shows how much recruiting can change in any given moment. And John Hayes, our producer, needs to listen to this. Grace basically slacked me and said, it sounds like every ACC quarterback at one point was Penn State was after or was interested in Penn State, which kind of makes sense. Eastern Seaboard, and they, they recruit there, but a lot of Penn State influence there with some Jersey guys too. Yeah, Devin Leary, um, right after Justin Fields decommitted from Penn State, Devin Leary's high school coach, because you know Leary's a New Jersey guy, was saying Penn State came after him pretty hard. Uh, but at that point, he was committed to NC State, and he stayed committed. Um, and then in an alternate universe, Garrett Schrader is at Penn State, which I thought was super interesting because he was going to go and, and play for Joe Moorhead and then followed him to Mississippi State. So I, I just feel – Where's he then, from? I haven't gotten to that part in your story of editing it. He is from uh, – where is he from? Uh, he's from Char uh, he's from Charlotte. He's from okay. That's Charlotte. right. That's right. Yeah. So he's not yeah. like a Mississippi guy or anything like that. Yeah. Nope. Nope. I think he went to Charlotte Christian. I think. Um, but yeah, followed followed him down to Mississippi State, and then they were they were recruiting a bunch of other a bunch of other ACC quarterbacks as well. But yeah, as I kept doing this research, I was like, did Penn State recruit every single ACC quarterback? Yes or no? Oh, James Franklin likes to recruit. He likes to get his name out there. So um, yeah, John, come back on the podcast right now and say you're sorry for doubting him. Yeah, especially with uh, – well, which ACC quarterback would John rather have than Sean Clifford? I was just joking. That's a good question. Like, which one would you have, Schrader or Leary? Who would you want? Leary? Um, Penn State owns ACC territory. Like, Virginia, it might as well be yes. Pennsylvania. True, true. It is. So I grew up – John, grew up in New Jersey, a huge Alabama fan because my dad went to Alabama. We moved from Texas to New Jersey when I was five, and everyone at Penn State – everyone in New Jersey, Penn State fans – I think the 1978 Sugar Bowl for the national championship. My dad dressed me up in an Alabama outfit with a little cowboy hat and Alabama stuff. We had every all our neighbors, friends over, and they were all Penn State fans. So that was one of my first. That was the first football game I ever remember watching there. So there's a, there's a photo of me somewhere in a cowboy hat and an Alabama Alabama jersey. And that, I mean, I I argue that's a big reason why Virginia Tech hired Pry as as their head coach. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and Virginia is, I mean, Penn State's got what the top two guys in, in Virginia this year and uh, four of the top 10, I believe. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to transition to Antonio's story, which published today. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it yet. It's the second installment of like the panic index, like what schools should be worried this late in the process. So he has different subheads categories. So I'm going to go see if you guys agree with these. Um, panic level. Recruiting is fine, but the buzz is gone. All right. Did you read it? Because if you didn't read it, I want to see if you could guess. What I have not read it yet. About. No. Okay, I, so what's, I what school Antonio makes sense for there? writing it, to be honest? Yeah, uh, what what school makes sense there? Recruiting is fine, but the buzz is gone. I'll give you a hint. It's the alma mater of one person on this podcast. Uh, oh, wait, North I feel Carolina. like it's kind of the, the fact that Mitch's alma mater is Vanderbilt and it's not him. Wait a second. It's, is this is like it's, a huge win for you, Mitch? North Carolina, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grace, yeah. Did you know that's where Grace went to college? You know how I knew the answer to that question? Because I, I helped him with it. <laughs> no, he, we just got off the phone. He he called me and said, I called Ari to make him think like he was helping me. But now we're, yeah, we, no, we were talking about it a few days ago. And I, I said, yeah. I said, it's funny that he used that. Cause like, it is like North Carolina was like my number one, uh, stand program for a while there. You know, yeah. I, I was yeah. really into it. And I think the problem with North Carolina right now is, and, and Grace, you just correct me if you think I'm wrong here, but the North Carolina strategy was always to own its own state. They did such a good job of it, and they started branching out into Virginia and other states that are around it. But in down years or years where the state isn't as deep as it's been the last three or four years, then what do you do? You know. And I think that North Carolina has a top twenty class right now, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. It's number twenty, and it's, which and is it's fine. fine. Uh, but like they were getting five star prospects for for a while there, and like I don't think there's a five star prospect in the state of of North Carolina this year. So like. You do, you know what you want to do. You have a plan and you do it well. But in the years where the plan doesn't match up with the talent that's in the state, I think it's a very easy way to kind of slip back into what they were doing before because they've got 18 commitments right now and they don't have a single top 150 player. And I think like two years ago, they had like seven. So this isn't the direction or the trajectory that you were hoping they would be at this point. I also think they are. And maybe I need to go back and look at the numbers. But, I mean, Noah Rogers picked Ohio State. Jamal Jarrett mm-hmm. picked Georgia. Keith Sampson is – I know he said he was going to look around a little bit more, but he's currently committed to Florida State. So that's that's three of your five top players right there in your state that are that are not covered. Yeah. yeah and and Noah Rogers is the only class. one in the top 100. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. I think it's important to see what they do in 2024. You know, if, yeah. if this is a one-year blip. And, again, for North Carolina, traditionally – top 20 classes is, is very good. It's just not what we've 
Yes, but we thought for a while that North Carolina was going to start dipping into the top. Yeah, 10. they were at the cool kids table, but now they're sitting yeah. with like the Ari Wassermans at lunch. And I do wonder too, like if some of the uh, if some of the struggles that they've had on the field the last few years can help. Probably should have been better. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's they like got to win. Not, you're not uh, kind of pulling it like I mean. I've been humiliated because of that. <laughs> I mean, when they got their butts kicked by Virginia Tech in the opener last year, I wanted to go into my closet and shut the light off. Like, I was like, I hope I don't have to go on the internet today. And it's just like, you know, and I've watched FAMU throw up 35 on them with half their roster gone. And it's just like, what are we doing here? And I still think they're undefeated, right? So, like, I, yeah, we'll I mean, see how it goes. But, like, FAMU can't be scoring. <laughs> I mean, they were moving the boost. Go shit through a tin horn. Grace. They gave up 40 <laughs> points in a quarter, Ari. <laughs> they gave up 40 points in a quarter. Yeah. So I don't so, know. Yeah. So Okay. Uh, but Next. I'm looking at the 2024 North Carolina rankings before we move on. Yeah. They've got two top 100 players uh in the state next year. Um so committed still I assume. Yeah, and one's Jaden Davis who's like Oh yeah. The oh, number yeah. one. So I don't think he's going to end up going there. So they might not they might go two or three years now without a five-star quarterback or a five-star prospect. Um and that was something that we were seeing was flipped. So you know, Mac Brown, in my opinion, is one of the best salesmen in the game. You know, he sold me for sure, and I'm very curious to see how it goes. Um, but when the talent dips, then, of course, the recruiting results are going to dip with it. Okay. Panic level, in need of in-state improvement. Who are these schools? Mm. I'm trying to – I want to I get, get it right. Um, it's, like, funny. You could put Alabama in there because half their players – what about LSU? Right. Is that one? No. Um, We've talked about that state just recently. When Florida or Florida State? Virginia and Virginia Tech. Those were the only two? Yeah, were the only two he highlighted. Because we talked about – he did a panic index um, in August, and he talked about Florida State. So try not to double up too much. Um, okay. And, and the numbers are in the story. I don't have them in front of me, but it's something like Virginia Tech's top player in the state is number 19 overall. Virginia has number 10 and number 18. Uh, Penn State – as we just talked about, it's got four of the top eight and you know, we're not, it's a big state. It's a very diverse geographically. You can't expect both those schools to dominate, but they, they simply need to do better. Virginia tech has eight guys ranked a thousand or lower in the composite. That's just, I know it's his first class, but that's not going to get it done. Um, Panic level. How will the hot seat impact our class? This one's obvious. Grace. Jeff Collins. No, but uh, no, because there's only one there. that's really on the hot seat that has a really good class. That's it's Louisville, right? Yes, Louisville. Just yeah. basically because they have those, they have all those studs at the top of their class and Satterfields on the on. I, I just yeah. know that because of Ruben Owens. I wrote about yeah. it, Ruben Owens last week. Yes. Um, panic level. The on-field results are fine, but recruiting desperately needs to improve. This could probably be a lot of schools, but there's two specifically he highlighted. Not the on-the-field results are fine. Yes. But recruiting needs to improve. improve. Like for what the program's doing this, they're just there's no buzz off the field in, in recruiting for either school. Um, got a guess, Grace? Um, no, no. Ari? Arkansas? No, no. They got a good, they got a good class. Cal and Indiana. And Cal Indiana's and- fine. Yeah, they're what do we mean by fine? Indiana, Indiana just almost lost to an FCS team, didn't they? Yeah, but they're three and zero. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the goal is to win the game, Ari. Uh, yeah, you know, both, maybe you should hire the numbers, guy who said that, huh? Both these numbers are low. Both these classes are low in numbers too. Like Cal and Cal had 
lost some, uh, you know, the offensive lineman flipped to, to USC. They've had, I think, three of the top four commits in this class flip at some point. And then Indiana is a program that, you know, was had a ton of buzz recently and just n- not much late on the trail at all. I, uh, I, I love that Antonio spreading it out a little bit because those are two programs I'm just never considering at all. Um, and those are, I may or may not have suggested those, but okay. he agreed, but we, we, we talked it through and he agreed. Okay. Yeah. Those do seem like Mitch specials there, don't they? Yeah. I like to, I like to scroll down a little bit more, not just talk about Alabama and Ohio state every week. Right? Know, like you, you, you repetitive. Asshole. I, yeah. one, <laughs> one, one of the great comments I'm one of Grace's. I'm sure the Cal football fans listening to this are appreciative of it. They should and I appreciate be. the five of them that are, it's amazing. Yeah. One of my, one of my best friends growing up, Mitch Jensen is Cal's a proud Cal bear. So, so now, yeah. Every uh, single time Mitch suggests a story, it has to do with the institution that is in the uh, Miriam. What is the Webster? What is the thing? <laughs> Not the dictionary. What U.S. The U.S. News <laughs> World Report. Not the Miriam Webster. It's a dictionary. Ari. Miri- <laughs> no, no, it's not the U.S. News and Report. There's another one. No, that's the one with the college ranking. Yeah, the so. one that you like walk into Barnes and Nobles and go, I wonder where Vanderbilt's ranked this year in the in the academic rankings. No, no, not at all. Thirteen, but not at all. I, Mitch uh, approaches <laughs> Mitch. Yeah, Mitch approaches, only thirteen. That surprises me. I thought it'd be higher than that. Is it actually thirteen? Yeah. Um, uh, Mitch approaches stories like I do. I look at the two four seven composite rankings and go, "Here's really good stories," and he looks at the U.S. News and World Report. Not true. Um, Those are his real recruiting rankings. Not true. <laughs> Panic level, accepting the fate of the transition class. This one should be easy. There's two. What does that mean? Like coaches are getting fired and they have to. Coaches have gotten fired. There's Nebraska and Arizona State. Exactly. And then panic level. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Oh God, this could be anybody. Oh wow. There's only one that I would pick if it were me. Who? I'll let you want to. You want to guess first, Grace, because I keep talking Uh, over you. uh, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Auburn. Yes. 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 <laughs> Basically, the point is like their class isn't. It's small now that they're they're. And we're going to talk about it, actually Auburn in a little bit. Right. I mean, it's like who else could it be? They have ten commits. They have seven blue chippers, but like no one is confident that Brian Harson's going to make it. So like, what happens to those blue chippers? Um. So good story from Antonio today. We appreciate Ari's suggestions in the story. Um, that no, it's all him and, and you, apparently. No. Uh, um, all right. So speaking of what I wanted to say earlier, Grace, did you know on one of your, your last recruiting mailbag, one of the comments was like, thanks, Grace, for talking about other programs. Other, like, so we just have Ari talking about Ohio State and Alabama every week in Georgia. So last week I wrote about Louisville. This week I wrote about uh, Arizona State. And tomorrow I'm writing about West Virginia. Like, I think That's this is good. a this is a bullshit. Oh, I agree. Oh, yeah. I totally no, I totally agree. Obviously, we we do spread the wealth and we talk about a lot. I, of we programs. tend what happens is we tend to in this weekend recruiting right and mailbags focus on five star prospects because right. that's what and people if they ask were to go about to new places. Right, yeah. then I would write about new places. Right, some of the best stories are the kids going other Don't places. Take it up and, me, take it up Grace had the program for not recruiting well. Grace had a great story last week on App State. Those kids yeah. fired up about going to App State. That did very well. We appreciate everyone reading. So no, Grace's reporting has been top notch. Yes, we we joke about it, but we do take pride in covering a lot of schools here. Um, basically, if there's a good story, we're gonna, we're going to pursue it. Now, here's something I was uh, diving into the, the numbers, and Ari and I talked about this. And there's not enough evidence yet, but we're going to monitor the situation. 
what all we, what we all want as college football fans, unless you're like an Alabama, Ohio State, or, or or Georgia fan, is you want the top talent spread out more. It's just not good for the game when these teams are signing all of the top players. We want more uh, parity. In 2023, so far, no team has an average player rating of 94 plus. In 2022, three teams had 94 plus Alabama, AM, Ohio State. In 2021, three teams had 94 plus Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. Now, 2022, none did. So the question is are there enough good players left? There, there are 38 un, uncommitted players who have an average rating of 94 or better. So if you, there's 38 players that can positively affect those classes. So how many will those guys? those top three programs get we don't know but i think it'll be very interesting at the end of the cycle if no team has a average player rating of 94 or greater alabama just got a commitment today their their average went from like 95 uh i mean sorry like 93 6 to 93 8 so like will the top programs just get enough top players at the end and those rankings will climb ratings will climb up or is it just that there's for nil or whatever reasons there's more Top 100 is players going top 100 ish players going to other schools. Ari, what, what's your take on it? I mean, my my initial take would be that there are players like Ruben Owens, for instance, yeah. who people speculate is going to Louisville because of an NIL deal, that um, are five star prospects that would have just been in A and M's class in past years, right? Um, but I look at it, I look at you'd have to look back to last year, like where we were at this cycle. But if you actually take a, a, a gander at the rankings. Um, of the players this year, the top 100, like, what do you see? You see a commitment to Texas at the top. You see a commitment to SC at the top. Two of the top five players nationally are committed to SC, Tennessee, Miami, Oregon, Iowa. Last year, there was some diversity though, like Luther burden going to Missouri. There's more diversity at the top than you think. Um, and the fact that Alabama climbed to close to a 94 has me concerned that this is, is at there, the end of the cycle. Is like this in the top 10, though? Because those are the players that really sway that number. Because those are the ones that are in the 99, 98, 97, 100, if you're Arch Manning-type scenarios, that kind of balance out that average. So it'd be very interesting to compare the diversity of the top 10 in this year's class to the diversity of last year's. And, like, last year's is funny because the number one player in the country went to Jackson State. So – but you have, and you had Mizzou and USC all in the top five last year. So maybe I'm full of shit. I don't know. I, uh, uh, it'll be very interesting to see if we get to that point. But I, my number one thing that I'm proud of is that I've taken a COVID term and made it acceptable for recruiting. Yes. Flattening the curve. Yes, because I don't know if that's, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Well, basically, if Kenny Dillingham gets hired at Arizona State, he's going to flatten the curve because he's going to take all of their Alabama and Georgia's recruits, right? That's not at all what I think. Okay. Oregon's recruits? Yeah, you might yeah, it might take some Oregon's recruits. So um what if he just takes the players that are five minutes from his high school? That would that would help. That, that would, would be help. a good start, and then we'll then we'll worry about Georgia. Yeah. Um <laughs> so just so, just something to monitor. Um uh, it is good. And it's we're all kind of hoping for that though. It's a good stat that you looked up, and um, you know, I think it would require math, and as you all know, I'm not very good at that. Uh, but I'm not either. Yeah, have you ever seen the actual formula that the two four seven uses for, um, not sure. It rings a bell that I've seen it. I don't. But here, it looks like something a, that you would see in the movie Goodwill Hunting on the chalkboard. Well, here here's a example. Alabama's class yesterday had an average player rating of nine three point seven two. They got a commitment today from Jalen Hale, a wide receiver from 
Texas, who's the number 74 player nationally. They went from 93.72 to 93.97. So that's a pretty big leap. Now, it just, it's just it's obviously the math. Alabama might go for a local three-star that they like, and that lowers the value. I mean, yeah. just, so it just we'll have to see. Also, when- too, if you what I would do also, and I don't know if this is off the top of my head, but does Alabama or Georgia or A&M or any of the teams that are usually in that regard have a punter in their class? That's a good question. There's someone we've talked about recently that had a kicker because the stat was if every a nine kicker. A kicker. It really, it really changes it. So yeah, uh, but you you know what I think is a better metric than that stat is whether or not a team will finish this year with 15 top 100 players again. Because right now that seems like maybe unlikely. I don't know how many Alabama has off the top of my head, but maybe they might be the only one that has a shot at that. They have 10 top 100 right now, so, okay, it's pro- so probably, probably will not get. You, you think they'll get five more? I mean, how many commitments do they have right now? Uh, 23. Oh, maybe not then. No. They have 23? Yeah. yeah. So, we'll see. Um, they have two special teams commits, Ari. One's a does? kicker. Alabama. One's a yeah. kicker. And that, one's okay. a athlete. Yeah, that's, that, that's why the their average is lower. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you, Grace, if that you information would have been nice 10 minutes ago. We could have <laughs> Sorry, I just looked it up. I was curious. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but it is, it is more spread out this year without question. Yeah, so we, we will have data on the, the amount of schools that have top 100 guys last year versus this year. It's just, it's, I've, I've got spreadsheets, but it just it changes so much. And I'm taking still... vacation time during the early signing period, so Grace will do all of it. We talked about the other day. We're going to come up with a nice plan of attack. and uh... I'm not going to be around for it. I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, <laughs> can I come with you? <laughs> no, I'm not going, I thought. Okay, we can go together. Oh, so I can go as long we as got you a recruiting. Go? Hey, we have college football summit. We have editor summit. We need a recruiting summit in Honolulu. Yeah, that's right. like, or Vegas. Yeah. Um, like what's the hospital? What's the high school there? St. Louis high school. The, the good high school in, yeah, in Honolulu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we could go yeah. write a retrospective of Tua's uh, recruitment or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Look back. Um, all right. So not a lot of commitments this week. Alabama did get two uh, Monday from Jordan Renault. How would you put R E N A U D. My school ranks number 77 in the country, Re- so I don't know. Renaud? Renaud? How would you say? R-E-N-A-U-D. Ari, how would you pronounce that? Renaud? Renaud? Renaud. Four-star defensive lineman from Tyler, Texas. Uh, and then I mentioned they got Jalen Hale, wide receiver today. Uh, oh, check out uh, Aaron Suttles' Alabama Recruiting Confidential, which was published today. Very good stuff on Nick yeah. Saban, Brian Harson, um, anonymous quotes from Alabama high school coaches about those two programs and believe it or not, Nick Saban's a good recruiter, very organized, gets the job done. Um, and he wears loafers. Yeah. Auburn actually three commitments in the past week, four star wide receiver, Adam Hopkins. Do they from, know something? Yeah. From Thomasville, Georgia, three star defensive lineman, Jamarian Harkless from Lexington, number seven, nine, two overall three star interior offensive lineman, Janoris Wilson from Lakeland, Florida. Uh, their class is 54 right now, 10 commits, seven blue chippers. As we've talked about, that's a great blue chip ratio, but there's just not a You know what I'm going to say? I have to say this because I've been feeling it in my heart, and I didn't know if it was appropriate we want, to say We want it. you to say, say whatever's in your heart, Ari. If you are a middle-tier four-star prospect who has offers from Northwestern – sorry, let me take Northwestern out of there – Maryland, Syracuse, Purdue, Louisville, and Auburn. Yeah. I would choose Auburn a thousand times out of a thousand because that's a big time SEC program that if they hire the right guy could be really, really good in three years. And like 
I feel like they should be able to get some guys yeah. that are just happy to go there. Right. So that's my question. If you're like a yeah. three star and they're in this, they're looking to fill up their class. I mean, obviously they like their recruits. They'll say, but now's the time to jump on board because in, under transfer. Yeah. If normal like but they normal they circumstances, you might not get that Auburn offer and they, most new coaches will honor the commitments. Not all the time. They might run some kids yeah. off, but they might honor. So, uh, Good thinking, Ari. Um, Florida State got a commitment. Four-star linebacker Blake Nicholson, uh, number 245 from California. Class is number 19 overall, 15 commits, seven four-stars. They have three top 125 players, eight in-state players. So a little bit of momentum, Florida State. um, Off to a good start. Uh, I think Jordan Travis has actually looked like his injury is really bad and might be coming back sooner rather than later there. So – yeah, so again, uh, just a slow – I think there's like literally three or four four-stars came off the board this weekend. We, we, our, when we were doing this in July. Yeah, it was like, like four a day, five a day. Yeah, exactly. Hard to keep up with. So um, segment we started last week, the player of the week, the the unheralded player of the week. We talked about C.J. Nicholson, uh, who Ari's writing about this week. Donaldson. C.J. Donaldson. Who's C.J. Nicholson? Does that person ex- – I'm sure that person exists. Batman's um, <laughs> nephew? Sure, it's a nice man. Um, Jalen Daniels, quarterback from Kansas, who is having a great start to these to the season. Three-star class of 2020. He was ranked number 2,305 overall from Lawndale, California. He flipped from Middle Tennessee State on signing day, also had an offer from Army. Now he's quarterbacking the Kansas Jayhawks. So good um, for him. Uh, is Kansas going to win this weekend? I think so. I now, Duke, it, the fact it's comparative scores are, are tough, but like their win at Northwestern doesn't look as good now, Duke, because Northwestern lost to uh, who they lose to Southern Illinois, who had been 0 2. Uh, I think Kansas is pretty good. Can't, you, you don't go on the road to West Virginia and Houston and win like that and not be good. I think they're pretty good. So they're big favorites, though, right? Ari, seven, eight. Well, I think that, I mean, like in the name of this segment that we do every week on the show, like I'm going to try to, to marry it with a content piece. Cause like, I mean, he, if they win this week, I want to write about them. Yeah. And tough, tough luck for uh, MTSU there. Thought they had this guy and flips to Kansas on signing day. Um, they should just relocate. Cause who wants to be in the shadow of Vanderbilt anyway? Yeah. When was the last time Kansas flipped someone? That's a, that's what I want. That's the stat I would want to know. Yeah, this, this is an interesting question because Kansas has they have hit the portal really hard, and their classes are ranked horribly last couple of years, partly because they're just so low in numbers. So I wonder if they start with this success, if they try to start recruiting high schools more and just yeah. not, not lean on the portal. I think they will. That's every coach would, would prefer not to hit the portal that much. But uh, I'm very interested to see what happens to their high school recruiting um, following this early success because they've, they've, got, they've got you know proof of concept that they, they are um, getting it done. Question for Grace. You are relatively – you know, you covered recruiting when you covered Clemson, but it was very Clemson-focused, you know, yep. players who are interested in Clemson kind of two-part like what do you like about covering recruiting and has anything surprised you about it other than working with Ari what do you like about it I mean obviously and working with you obviously um I like that there is something new that happens every single day and I like that we get to follow all of the changes that are happening right now like in 
real time. And I think that a lot of times people speak on behalf of recruits. And so I like that our job allows us to go straight to them and be like, well, actually, like like this week when um, James Franklin kind of blew up for saying that they've lost recruits over this dorm room issue. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm so I'm curious about I don't know. I was like, well, we could find out if this is a thing or not. Like, let's just ask recruits. Have you ever picked a school because of a dorm room? And I, I had a hard time buying it. But um, I don't know. That guy's I just, never like, happy. Always I, wants. I, to, I, I saw that and I was like, dude. Yeah. Also, I feel like I mean, this is a separate rant, but. Uh, comparing yourself to a team you just beat by 30, I feel like was not the, not the move right. there. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't know. I like that recruits are accessible. Um, I like that they're marketing themselves these days. I just, I don't know. I, I just find them much more uh, available to, to talk to. And then I think it's cool that we get to learn about them before they, you know, kind of blow up in three or four years. Yeah. And it's also, you've had great success talking to high school coaches because high school coaches love talking about their oh, kids. I love high school coaches. The best. The best. Arch Manning's offensive coordinator talks to us every Saturday about how he played. He breaks down all of his plays. He breaks down his best throw. And I'm like, this would never happen at the at the college. I was actually thinking college. about that. Like, if he were still uncommitted, how awesome that story would be just as a standalone. Right? Just every week, like, sitting down with I mean, Arch Maybe he still is. is. Yeah. Right. But, but now Texas fans polarized. read it. Like, Georgia he's still a fans. polarizing prospect. People yeah. that – now that they didn't go to their school, hate him. Right. So like, I, he's, I don't he's know. overrated. Everyone I, thinks I, he's overrated. I'm not. I'm not your editor, Mitch's, but like, I might try that. One yeah. Time. Thanks like, for really the suggestion. Right, we'll in, put it on the board. Yeah. yeah put it on the board. Yeah. <laughs> on the board. Um, Ari, what do you like about covering recruiting? My the reason why I'm in this job is because I covered Ohio State for so long, and when I covered Ohio State the media access, it's good. The, the SID Jerry Emick does a good job there, but it's very hard with how many media members exist in that beat yeah. to have unique quotes and thoughts and stories because everybody's kind of swimming in the same pool of information. So when I first started at cleveland.com and, and my co former coworker slash mentor, Doug Le Maurice, uh, you know, I was put in charge of recruiting he said, I don't want you to come here. I want you to go to high schools and, and talk to recruits and talk to parents and do all that stuff. And the thing that I really like the most about covering recruiting has always been your ability to be unique and your ability to find stories that aren't just given to you on a tray, like so many of the stories that you have to write and need to write or like have to write when you're a beat writer. Like there's a, It's a way for you to go off into beaten path, come up with your own theories, come up with your own thoughts and you know, you can still write about teams through that lens. And people always just used to think that recruiting is this 247 rivals. Where are you going? Uh, what visits are you taking? When are you committing? What's your top five? And all those same stories that you read over and over and over again, they're useful and they're important because people care about those things, but there's so much more to it. And I think that it's given me an outlet and, and it will, as you continue on this road, Grace, to be yourself and to really sink your teeth into how teams are made and to be unique. And I, I, I don't know if you were expecting some smart ass answer, but that's really the truth. No, great answer. And, and uh, Grace, you chime in a second, but I think good example, like uh, Audrey Snyder today on our, uh, our site, she had a story on a Tennessee commit from Atlanta, Shamarud Umaroff. Uh, she, 
traveled down to the Auburn game and was going to be in Atlanta for a couple of days and was looking for some, maybe some recruits to, to hit up. Cause she's, she, she had scheduled to talk to some Penn state commits too. It wasn't sure that was going to come to fruition. So I knew this guy that had kind of an interesting story. I didn't really know how interesting he's, he's from his family's Turkish. Like how many Turkish recruits are there And really interesting story. And that's just something that, you know, it's not, it's, and it's go ahead. people yeah. really care about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing worse than like, I was like, I had a, coffee date with a kid who just graduated from college a few weeks ago. Yeah, Ari's mentoring someone. What do you think about that? Oh, it was Ari. So sweet. I don't know if I'm mentoring somebody, but the thing that I told him was, like, the worst thing in journalism is writing about things nobody cares about. Yeah. Or writing about things that no one's reading. Like, it's hard. Like, you want to you want to be... Because you spend the same amount of time on stories yeah. that don't you get the You want to be interacted with, you know? And, like, I don't know how this happened because this was never my intention, but I seem to be a very polarizing figure <laughs> and like, I'm just like a normal dude. I'm not, I just like, I'm trying to not normal. Best. You're a nice dude. You're not normal. Though. I'm nice. I don't want to fight you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just like, I read comments on my story sometimes, like, bro, like what's going on with you? Like, what are you, what are you commenting this? You don't even know me. Like what, what do you, you know, what were the comments uh, like in Arizona on the uh, Dillingham story? Uh, that I was this PR man. Okay. You know, stuff that we were anticipating. Yeah. Um, but, you know, half people were like receptive to the message and the other half uh, told me to be a better journalist. So, yeah. Do your research. That's what everyone always yeah. says to journalists. Just do And then here's research. the thing that I want to say. And this isn't just say. about the Dillingham story. Okay. This is about every story. And clap after I say every word of grace. Okay, okay ready? All right. Just yeah, ready. because there are no quotes in the story does not mean that no reporting was done. Exactly. This is where I clap. Because people think it's like, <laughs> oh, if, if you didn't, if you, you don't think I talked to people? Yeah, yes. I agree. You just, like pull that out of my ass? Especially in recruiting. I have found that that's like probably the biggest difference between my job now and when I covered Clemson is that you can't, like when you're a beat writer, you're around the team so much every single day that you just inherently know things and pick things up. Whereas in this role... You can't just throw stuff out there without having some sort of basis for it. So you you literally have to ask people. Yeah, like it's just report tools, quotes. And my a professor told me this in college, and I really took it to heart. But he said uh, that quotes are only an aid for you if they say something that you can't say better yourself. <laughs> so for me, I always feel like I can say it better myself. I think, and, and maybe that's a pitfall of my arrogance, but. You know, I think stories that are well-written and have quotes used intermittently or not at all are just as effective as ones that have a lot of quotes in them. I think a lot of times writers use quotes as a crutch because they don't know what else to say. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I can write right. 4,000 words in my own head in five minutes, and I, it's like I don't even know what happened. 4,000 in five minutes? That would take me like five he's, hours. Yeah, he's, yeah. It's it's the podcast. It's the written form of the podcast. I just, you know, once I get going, I'm going, you know? That's yeah. fair. Just spills out. Um few mailbag questions before we go trivia. I like yeah. the trivia question this week. Um, this Grace, this is this has got your name written all over it. Uh -oh. Is it even possible to quantify how this past weekend, this was in Ari's mailbag for last week, which we're going to do next week, could impact App State's recruiting? Oh, yes. They're a program that knows what they want, but the last few weeks have to have at least helped them widden that pool. Right. I have conflicting thoughts on this could it leave the mailbag with app state two weeks in a row so we'll let right. grace take it away yeah i mean look app state is clearly a program and we've talked about this just the three of us just chatting 
like App State does more with less than maybe any program in the country. And so, or at least up there, I, in my opinion, yeah. with a lot of other programs. Um, and so I think you take this team that is now America's darling, which uh, this is the most popular team in college football right now. And you put them on game day and people get to see Boone and they get to see this crowd, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's going to do wonders for them recruiting because right now they have mastered the art of development with a bunch of three stars and, and, or maybe even two stars. And now you have that same staff with that same philosophy, able to get some high three stars, maybe low to mid four stars. And I think it, I think it it takes off for them. So I, I, I just think it's a really, really good time for app right now. I don't know how they keep doing it. Like every single coach continues to maintain the success. That's when you know you have a program. Predecessor. Yes, yeah. for sure. Like that's, that's built in. So yeah, I think uh, I'll be interested to see. Um, Cause I think we will be able to quantify it decently soon. I mean, we'll be able to look at this class, but certainly the 2024 class. Um, and I can only imagine the visitors they had on campus last week. Yeah. And, and Ari, I want your thoughts on this too, but you also got it. They take such pride on, we know who we are. Totally. They have to stay true to who they are and not saying that they're going to turn down a top 100 kid, but they still got to recruit their, their guys. Yeah. Being, knowing who you are is an important aspect of being a good program. So let's start over. Yeah. So do you, the first discussion we had. So do you see, do you see like (laughs) app states? See, I, I think it's, It'll widen their pool, but I still think they're gonna they're still gonna get by with like we're we're not gonna be seeing a bunch of top five hundred kids to App State in, in a few no, years. No, no, I, I don't think, think that, so. I, I think, think that they might what I think what it does five is, to ten spots. I don't even know if it's like something that you quantify in the rankings. I think it's something that when App State's recruiting you, people have a heightened awareness of who they are and what they are capable of. Um, and that might result in more commitments from players that are a little bit higher up in the rankings, but Maybe it puts them in a position to land guys that um, they might have lost out on in the past that just are now more aware of how successful they can be and in the, the style of, of game that they can play. And, you know, the worst thing about it is, like, I'm happy North Carolina won that game because North Carolina is among one of the best best watches of the week, in my opinion. I just, like, love a team that can score 70 and give up 70. Um, but App State losing that game, it, it would have been nice if they would have won it because they would be – it would kind of have that March Madness feel of like how many games is this team going to win in a row before it all comes crashing down. So I, I do think that uh, this is a – we've written a lot about them. We've talked a lot about them. And I think what it is is a kind of a nice free ad PR for, for a program that has done it the right way, knows what it is, and wants to attract people that want to be the next you know pieces to that puzzle. Yep. Um, this – this one's from Joe B. Um, I'm sure it's case by case, but generally speaking, how do coaches feel about top prospects reclassifying and showing up to campus as 17-year-olds who should be in high school? Are they happy to jumpstart their development or more upset that they're burning a year of eligibility early and sometimes clogging the depth chart? In Ohio State's case, I have to feel Ryan Day wasn't very pleased with Quinn Ewers made that decision. We've talked about this. Ryan Day had no no choice. I mean, basically had to, you're not going to say no. He wasn't thrilled though. Right, wasn't thrilled. Yeah. I think it's, Tip generally a bad idea. Now there's some kids that are older. If you're already 19 years old and you're mature, fine. But if you're age appropriate and you're just 18 when you graduate high school, or you just turned 18. I think it's a bad idea. I think it rarely, I don't. It's not good for either party. I think there's a reason that you have four years of high school, and but it's we're seeing it happen. Yeah, I mean, was Grace North Carolina was happy when when 
Tony Grimes came in early, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, but I, I think he's a little bit of an outlier, right? Like he's like a, he's a five star. They needed some depth at that position. It was I mean, COVID too. He was, was worried COVID. about his season. Um, yeah. What I don't get is, about it is it's like, I don't just wait one more semester. It's not even a full year anymore for these early enrollees. Just, just enroll. Well, in there's, there's two things you got to consider. One is if you're a five-star prospect and those seem to be the ones that are most likely to do it, you don't plan to be in school for four years anyway. That's true. Yeah. So they don't care about their eligibility. They don't want to redshirt. And even if you redshirt them their first year, they know they're not going to play. And then it jump starts their eligibility, eligibility clock, their, um, qualification for the NFL and of course NIL. So, you know, there's, I can understand why a prospect would want to do it. Um, but I think yeah, in most cases, coaches probably don't like it though, because a, um, they're not ready to play and you don't want to use a scholarship on a person that's not right. going to be able to contribute in the right way. And two, you don't want to jam up your depth chart. And that's something that happens a lot because especially with Clemson too, they've done such a good job of this over the years. But also I think coaches that's are, are worried. staggering. Yeah, sorry, so that, sorry. Yeah, I mean, staggering players so that there's a there's a natural succession to the way things are going. Yeah, yeah, like every two. Yeah, yeah. I, I think coaches sometimes are worried um, when they got a guy that they want to keep that commitment. Like I don't know the particulars, but remember Gavin Wimsett from Kentucky who's committed to Rutgers. When he decides to enroll early at Rutgers a year earlier, then that staff knows we've we've got yeah. him. Like yeah. we don't have to sweat out another full year. And, and he's playing. What, yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's I think that that's a big part of it too. Um, I think a lot of it is just case by case basis yeah. in this world. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think NIL might actually slow this down because kids maybe in the past would do it to start their eligibility clock so they can get to the NFL quicker. But if they know they're going to get some money in college, then they can wait that year. Uh, you see, it in, you see it in baseball, college baseball, because you have to stay for three years so you can start your clock early. Yeah, I think it, people so. just want to get paid as soon as possible. So. Um, you know, maybe that'll that'll help. But I feel like if you're a five-star prospect who's anticipating that they're going to be in the league, then they anticipate that they'll make more money in NIL and just get everything a year early. But yeah, um, and then we had one question which we touched on. Jeff S. Will a successful season lead to Kansas getting better recruits? Yes. I mean, it's just probably there's no doubt though. Unless our coach goes to ASU. Yeah, um, or Nebraska. Yeah. Right. Ready right, right for a little trivia? Yep. Grace? I'm so trash. You have, to, you, I mean, too, you have to uh, listen very carefully because he asks them poorly. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and all the listeners. I, I say this every week. Grace, here's a perfect example. Like, how many top 100 players did so and so? And he'll answer like 122. Like, an answer that's impossible. <laughs> because of the verbiage is messed up. Yeah, because there's too many adverbs. I was going to say, Ari's yeah, trying to I, pick I, up I, the you, adverbs. I confuse you with the adverbs. How many teams in college football, FBS, start a former five-star quarterback? So 131 Ooh. is the most it can be. Yes. I am not counting. Okay, take Quinn Ewers out of this. We can add him if we want. He's hurt, so he's not starting right now. So he's out? Yeah, but so we that, that's one we can again we can add him if we want. Why don't you add him back in? Uh, the starting okay. quarterback of the place is a five star. So on okay. average, there's three or four five star prospects a year. We're gonna go back six years because the weird COVID rules. So that's three times six is eighteen. Four of them probably. I'm gonna say fourteen. Grace? Fourteen. I think I think it's lower. I don't know. I mean, 
Maybe it's just I'm just dumb and I can't think of that many outside of Clemson and Alabama right now. Um, currently, like on their 2022 roster, starting yes. five I would say like eight, nine. I don't know. That's, that's I heard eight. We finally got someone in this podcast who can answer a <laughs> trivia question, <laughs> including. Quinn I mean, I Ewers. did the math. I did the math. <laughs> Including Quinn Ewers, it's eight. I should have given Grace the question before to guarantee that she got it right, but she didn't need that. Okay. Grace, honor system. If I didn't do the math, would you have gone lower than 14? Yeah. I mean, I, well, oh. you did the math. I was like, well, well, first of all, I was like, I mean, I'm not very good at math. I was like not following this math here, for being honest. <laughs> so I, but There's three of them per cycle usually, three, five. I, I mean, I went a little higher once you said 14. I was going to say like four or five okay let's see if you, I, I have the team rankings uh are from chris Finney, one, like 131 okay that's one of them jt daniels quarterbacks the number 79 team west virginia we've got okay. quinn yours okay when yours dj and bryce dj and bryce number two for bryce and clemson's ranked fifth okay was drake bay a five-star no close Ooh. um yeah, maybe I went high if I can't even remember them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, was because uh, you know the, it, what's kind of tricky about this too is that a lot of guys like have like the CJ Stroud a five star quarterback? No, he was not. Because like he, he was top guy, fifty. Like, the rankings, the rankings, um, kind of shift sometimes at the end. So, um, are there obvious ones that are like I cannot yes. believe they're saying it? Okay, there, is Tyler Buckner. A oh, uh, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Good one. Good one, Grace. <laughs> I mean, they'll be obvious once you hear them because they're five stars. There's one that you have to get, Ari. You, you, you've you've written and you've podcasted. You, you've wasted a lot of oxygen on this quarterback situation. Sam Heward. He doesn't start. Who starts there now? Oh, Michael Penix. Yes. Well, when you said it wasted a lot of oxygen, I just thought Washington. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. um, we don't talk a ton about this guy on this pod, but you've talked about him in other pods. I've heard you. Oh, uh, no, because he's not playing yet. Dude, this is kind of hard. Wait, how many of the eight have we gotten? Four. Oh. Five, including... Uh, I'm trying to think of the other three. So there's three. Um, two of them have transferred. I don't remember. Was Keaton Slovis a five star? No. Was Phil? What's his face? Jerko- Slovis I can't was three star. Dracovic. Jerkovic. How do you say his name? Dracovic. Yeah, he was not. He, he was, was a top one hundred. No. Oh, Spencer Rattler's one. Yes. Oh right. All right, that's six. We need two more. Two more. <sighs> we're gonna on, get Ari. there, Grace. Oh, is that the one that you were referring to, Mitch? No. Oh, I know another one. Who? Uh, Bo Nix. Yes. That's Ooh, not the one I was referring to. Um, how many do we have left? One. Is it an obvious one that we're missing? Yes. Oh, no. We're going to sound so stupid, aren't we? we are. <laughs> if, if this coach listened to Ari, he would have been starting from the second. Well, Ari would say every five-star quarterback should be starting the second they step foot on campus. So he's what? young? Relatively. They're all young. They're in college. No, I mean like young in his career. Yeah. Recently named starter. No idea. 
I'm, I'm JJ oh, McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm correct, right? You, you I talked- JJ McCarthy. Well, it's because he hasn't been starting long. And well, they had that bullshit, the question- like the <laughs> divinity uh, quarterback battle that came down from the <laughs> from the Ten Commandments. I don't know. Yeah, JJ yeah, McCarthy is the one, the first one I should have named. That's amazing. yes, that's your guy. Um, yeah, I'm actually surprised it's not more. But like guys like Brock Vandegrift and stuff aren't starting yet. So right. Um, but my math wasn't that flawed, was it? No, I think you went back uh, six years. There's not many guys, five star guys who are still going to be like taking care of taking advantage of the COVID year. But it, the number was lot. It was less than. I, I envisioned when I started the research. Um, yeah. And if I've missed someone, let me. it on her first trivia question? Yeah, she's one for one. I don't know if she got it, but we have to go back to the archives your last time on the air if you got it. But um, I don't know if I did trivia the last time I was here. I think we've had them every episode, but I, right, you right, might right. not have been on the entire episode. This is your first entire episode. Okay. Oh. I've, been, uh, I've got to go to the bathroom. So can we wrap this up? <laughs> okay. Grace, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. You are a child. Yes. No, I mean, <laughs> thank you. He's one of my children. Yes. I mean, it's been going on for an hour and 10 minutes. And the, will the court be willing to grant me a short bathroom break? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're done. We're, you, you said you had a hard out at a certain time. Yeah, so we're... I'm doing the playoff mock committee this week. So I'm going to go in there yelling about the 247 composite rankings. And that's one thing that we're going to talk about next week. Um, I'm doing the playoff mock thing, so I'm going to be in there yelling about recruiting, and I'm going to be very interested to see how many other people are perceptive to the thought. Who's possible. a program that's recruited well that's off to a bad start? I want you to make a case for them and just say uh, <laughs> North Carolina. Just say, hey, North Carolina should Texas. be in the playoff. Yeah. No, we do 2014 is the year we're doing. Oh, okay. It's going to be a big challenge for me because I don't know how if I can wipe my brain from that season, but yeah. you know we'll do our best. Uh, okay, Grace, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, the last month or two since you started this, you've been doing an awesome job, and we should have you on the show more often. Mitch, if you have something that you need me to do, just one at a time. Like I mean, okay, I don't, I, okay, I, you don't need to hit me with 19 things at once. Um, and for those listening, we appreciate you so much. Uh, we will catch you next week, and that was Stars Matter. Mm-hmm.